Okay, before we start the podcast, I want to just talk about the music that we're including in this episode of Thelma and Tom. Firstly, we have a beautiful recording of the Piddington Brass Band playing at the Durham Minor Scala in 2017. Next up, we have Dave playing the trombone on the CWU picket line in Stockport at the end of November. Absolutely brilliant. So we play. We also play it again a bit later on. And then, to close the podcast, we have my friend, Hurricane Rodriguez, playing us out on his electric guitar. to Thelma and Tom Look Left, number 39, our Christmas special. And we've got uh, two or three things lined up for today's podcast. Uh, we better get cracking. So lovely to see you, Thelma. And um, as always, looking forward to talking to you for the next hour or so. Yeah, uh, good to see you too, Tom. Yeah, it's been an amazing, uh, amazing time, Thelma. Lots going on at the moment and, and uh, lots been going on this year. So I thought if we just have a quick uh, a word about what's really going on at the moment that's important, which is the strikes. And then we'll take a look at a few things that have happened over the year and the relevance uh, they are to us. So I'll hand it over to you, Thelma. And... Yeah, um, well, strikes taking place all over the country. And, um, you know, lots of negative things have happened over this past year. But I think for me, one of the most heartwarming things is the way that um, unions and workers in, in the workplace are getting organised. And I think there comes a point in people's lives where they're struggling to such an extent, e even um, the kind of health service staff, uh, even emergency service staff who are, who are withdrawing their labour, where they get to the point where they can't put food on the table, afford to put food on the table for their families. Um, they can't afford to pay their rent or their mortgage. Uh, and they're giving over and above all of these people all of the time. And because of the cost of living and inflation, 
And for the last 12 years, we've had this austerity where there's not been the wage rises in line with inflation that people, you've got people, some of them, that have got several jobs on the go and they're still queuing at the food banks. Um, And it's just shameful. Um, And I think what the strike action has done and what I find heartwarming is I think, first of all, there's been from some of the main unions, some brilliant, strong, courageous leadership. And I would obviously mention um, uh, Mick Lynch with that, with the, the RMT. And I, I, I just think that that leadership has come, it's come from the unions. I can't, I honestly can't, don't think that politicians have given that leadership in the fight for ordinary people and, and what the government are, are trying to impose another uh, layer of austerity, um, a second phase of austerity, which is, is just actually when you think what, how the workforce kept um, the country going during the pandemic. Um, and many literally in the health service sacrificing their lives, literally sacrificing their lives to go in and to treat COVID patients. And, and they had us, the government, didn't they, clapping on the doorstep to thank them and how appreciative they were of um, the emergency services continuing to work and the teachers continuing to go into schools and all of this. And then when it comes to them saying, the workforce saying, well, actually, we've not had in real terms a pay rise for the last 10 to 12 years, the government say we can't afford it. And of course, they can afford uh, huge bonuses for the CEOs. They can afford to pay dividends to the shareholders, but not when it comes to to paying those people that are keeping the wheels turning in our country. So, um, you know, I'm in awe of how they have got organised. I think Strike Map UK, which is just about to celebrate its second birthday, um, and I've been watching them with interest of how they've organised and they've got the interactive map where people can put their postcode in and see where there's a local picket line and you can go and join it and support whichever, whether it be and, and, uh, over the last few uh, several months, I've managed to get to picket lines for RMT, CWU, uh, UCU, NEU. Um, I haven't managed to get um, to support the nurses, um, only to support them on my social media, but I do try and get there and say a few words just in solidarity. Uh, We all try and do our bit, don't we? Um, But I do find it heartwarming that people are coming together, are saying enough is enough. I, I, I just despair of the way many in the Labour Party, um, certainly the Labour leadership, is not giving the support to the striking workers and giving that support on the picket lines. Obviously, there are the ones you would expect still in Labour who are, uh, I don't know whether they're defying the front bench, but they're certainly doing sticking to the principles and are joining the picket lines and speaking out in support, which is good to see. But I just despair of what Labour stands for anymore, you know, and uh, the clues in the name of the party, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, that is, uh, for me, a very interesting uh, state of affairs at the moment. You can see that the government are, well, threatening to send the army in and preparing the army. Again, Labour have said that they would support that. I can't believe it, actually, but they've actually said that they would support uh, the army 
uh, you know, crossing crossing the picket lines and and um, uh, fulfilling the the role of the of the striking workers. So um, I I think it will be an interesting new year. I think the strikes are going to escalate. Um, it, different groups are being balloted and are coming out on strike. And um, I think that never was uh, the phrase more true and real than unity is uh, strength and strength in unity, you know. So uh, that's where we are. Very interesting at the moment, Tom. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. What it has done, Thelma, is it's totally shown up that the Labour Party are, aren't a party of the people and aren't the opposition. And it's also shown up that the opposition are actually, well, a large part of the opposition are the unions or some of the unions. And it couldn't be clearer, could it now? And uh, it's clarified an awful lot because for a lot of people, I think they were thinking, well, you know, Labour is our party, and uh, clearly they're not. But uh, anyway, there we are with that. So that's a huge piece of news, really, at the end of the year, is a huge development politically, I think, that could mm -hmm. hopefully lead to something really positive for the left. been a really well ridiculous I mean I, I was trying to think of how can you sum it up and you just think about uh, well it started out with Boris Johnson as a prime minister uh, well from the last election a hangover from that and and uh, eventually his own party couldn't stand him and uh, turned on him uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily the end of Boris Johnson. I don't know what you think, but I mean, I could easily see him coming back. I mean, how crazy is this party that are in power at the moment? You know, if you think what came after Boris Johnson, it was ins—it was insanity. And uh, yeah. what, what else can you say about it, really? It's just... Mm -hmm. Well, when Johnson, when you think what happened during the pandemic and what came out of um of the kind of uh, number 10 parties when everybody else was in lockdown and unable to see their families and all all of you know all all of those things that were exposed and the the Cummings revelations and all of that and he's just disappeared now and seemingly making millions from from um speak a speaking tour and um and you just think it, it's unbelievable that he's just not been held to account at all and then the Liz Trust few weeks when she and Kuotang managed to kind of crash the economy within a few weeks it's almost that bit was almost like you know when you have a bad dream and you wake up and you just think it didn't really happen it's kind of <laughs> That's how you feel about trust, isn't it? You kind of, you just, you think, I dreamt that bit where she kept coming out to the podium and going back in again and and, and we'd lost more trillions from our economy. And, you know, it was just kind of 
I was just like, did it really happen? Um, and then she went. And then we got Sunak, who you hardly see really at, at the moment. He seems to be avoiding the, the cameras somewhat. And I, I, I but we this is a, the problem for me is, again, we've not got the opposition, but we've just had this because it's not only the prime ministers, is it? It's the different chancellors as well. And, and all, all the decisions that, that have been made that have seemingly, you know, kind of seem to have made the situation worse for, for our country. So so there's all of that. And then the lack of opposition, real opposition, the calling them out. And, and when it comes to absolutely appalling things like Rwanda and, and and then an admission that the Labour would perhaps go with this idea of tagging asylum seekers and, you know, and, and refugees. And I'm, I'm just thinking, I can't believe, again, I can't believe that, that they're saying these things. And um, so, yeah, I mean, for me this year, one of the significant things, apart from obviously what's been going on in number 10, um, and and the change of prime ministers over such a short period of time has been the treatment, the hostile environment, and the and the treatment of vulnerable people and asylum seekers and um, all of that. I think it is shameful and, and a shame, uh, you know, the shame of our country. Really, that lack of compassion it, it is appalling. So that that's been a significant thing um but what what will stick in my mind one thing that will stick in my mind was audrey white when she challenged keir starmer that that will always forever stick in my mind the the way she challenged him and and the way he just sat there and and uh, just looked down at his lap you know and and the the strength the, the passion in the way that she spoke it was really from the heart wasn't it and uh, so that's one thing from this last year um i i will remember yeah i mean one of the things about keir and i i, I don't want to bang on too much about it because it is one of my hobby horses i'm aware of that but he you know, I, I don't mind someone being serious and I don't mind someone being wooden. I don't mind any of that stuff, all of those things. He can't help that. That's fine. I can live with that. But what I can't live with is the obvious way that he just chases votes. And it really is so clear. To, once you've seen it, you yeah. just can't see that. You can't help seeing that everything he does is calculated to how can I you know, get the establishment on my side? How can I get the establishment to elect me, to let me be prime minister? And and how can I get the newspapers to, you know, back me up? And it's it's awful. And that's why we haven't got this opposition, because we're basically being run by, well, by the media and by the people who own the media. And, uh, and nothing has showed it up worse, really, than this the very last thing that's happened really this well, there's there's time yet for more, but you know, this what's just happened now with uh, Harry and Meghan and their documentary, which I've got to say, I absolutely thought was absolutely brilliant. And absolutely, I mean, apart from the fact that it was such such a top-class production, the quality of it and the the just how you could watch that and not feel like something was wrong with the way things are beats me you know the, yeah. the photographs of of diana being hounded by the press and mm. uh, and her that that awful bit where she had the 
tennis racket in front of her face and they were just saying, take the racket down, take the racket down. They're such awful people. Now, who are in control of, of all this stuff? And, and, and now, right at the end of the year, we've got this unbelievable situation where the, the uh, Sun printed this vile thing by uh, Clarkson that has caused an absolute a huge rumpus. And, and I again, I think actually it's good news because what it's bringing home to people is this has got out of control. This media situation we've got in this country over the last 40 years, it's just destroying this country. And it's now reaching its climax and we can see it. And it's clear for everyone to see it. There's no excuse for it. And if we want to put this country back together in some kind of acceptable way, We've got to sort that out. And I think that's one of the lessons we surely must take with us from this year. No matter where you are on the political spectrum, really, you'd have to be mega stupid not to be able to see that we can't go on like this. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's horrifying, Thelma. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think the it's not so much a political thing, but it is. Um, the death of the Queen, I think, was massively significant this year for every generation um but it, but i think that her death was um almost like the the end of an era i mean it was the end of an era of course but but also the end of like our i think we talked about this in a previous episode but for, like for my parents who were kind of very deferential very much in awe of the royal family etc cetera, etc cetera. um but she she was the queen was a significant person in most people's lives whether you're a republican or a royalist or whatever but i think what's happened since her death i think there's been a a change in the mood in our country and i think what we've got with the political situation with the situation with the unions and I think what's just happened over uh, Harry and Meghan with the uh, release of the Netflix series which I've only seen a couple of them and then Clarkson coming out with this vile misogyny and uh, abuse and I think that that is harmful to the royal family the fact that we've we've not yet heard them come out in in defence of in fact uh, the queen's daughter-in-law, and I I just find that that what people are seeing with the royal family, um, obviously not the you know the loyal monarchists, but what a lot of the younger generation in particular they're questioning things. And they're challenging that status quo. And when they see that somebody, just like you've been saying, Tom, is allowed, and an editor must have approved that column by Clarkson. So it's gone through at least one editor to approve that. And I believe it was a female editor as well, which makes it, for me, even more horrendous. So we've got the media feeling that they've got the licence I mean, for me to even think in that way, but to actually then write it down. And, and it wasn't just one thing. There were several things in there that, that were abusive and appalling. And we, we've just got one thing after another, haven't we? That they'll, do, they'll write something like that, some people, and think it's OK. An editor thinks it's OK to publish. It's where we've got to, and it's the result of just letting things slip. I mean, we've had Boris Johnson governed, uh, he was the prime minister and he didn't 
you know, you're saying about moral code. I mean, I know morals are a man-made thing, but if you take them out of the equation completely, and his view was, look, it doesn't matter how I get what I want, as long as I get what I want. And so he could tell lies, he could do anything he wanted. And that seems to be the culture. If you look at the way the Labour Party is run now, it's the same thing. And I know people are going to say, oh, you're just an old lefty. But it's a fact. The fact is there's no consistency there. They're just chasing votes. They're going for power. They're not saying this is how we would we think our country should be run. They're saying we need to get into power. And that you know, and we'll say anything to get that. And it's just not a way to run a country. Uh, it, it's a recipe for chaos, and, and we're seeing the result of that now. Um, yeah, we are. I mean, there just doesn't seem to be integrity, does that? Um, you know, you've got the few politicians where you do think they've they've maintained their integrity, but it, so few. Um, and I think when you see a Tory and, and a, a right-wing, a really right-wing Tory cross the floor and be warmly welcomed by the Labour front bench and back benchers. When, when I saw that happen as well, and I'm quite surprised there aren't more um, actually doing that um, now, because I think Labour will win the next GE, I'm almost sure of it. I'm not sure it's going to be the massive victory that the polls are trying to um, lead people to for Labour. I'm, I'm not sure about that at all, because I... You know, I, I think this low turnout will have a will have an impact, but it suits both. Low turnout tends to suit Labour and Tories, really, because it's the two party system. And that's, you know, that's what I'm working with others to to kind of address and, and offer that alternative. And, yeah, it's a big job ahead, but um, there has to be an alternative, Tom. But, yeah, the, there's. Yeah, there's been an awful lot that's happened that I think has brought us to the end of this year where the general public are questioning so many things about the unfairness and about the corruption. And I, I think that is, we're almost, I think, a tipping point, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you should say that, because as you were talking, I was, I was thinking, look, I know it's one thing the left always tend to do, or I tend to do, is think, well, we're, we're, we're coming to a point now where people are going to, the penny's going to drop. And, and I could almost hear myself saying that in every podcast we've done. But I mean, yeah. it really is quite extraordinary where we've got to now. Uh, and when you look at things like Liz Truss and all of that nonsense, and you look at, I, th- I agree with you. I think, you know, people are going to say that this is ridiculous. This is absolutely mad. We can't go on living in this utter, utter confusion. Yeah. We need to have some order. Sometimes I can't sleep very well, and I just thought, I'll tell you what we could do, Aunt Thelma and Tom, we could choose our own government. 
we could uh, appoint our own cabinet for when we get into power. And if we want to, we can be one of the ministers. So I thought, and then I woke up and I thought, I don't know if that idea is good or bad. Uh, I don't know if I, I should send it to Thelma or not. And I WhatsApped the idea to Thelma and thinking, I was thinking she's probably going to say, I think probably the podcast run its course, Tom. Uh, but anyway, she came back to me, great idea, Tom. And I thought, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I've been worrying about it ever since, to be honest. But anyway, here we are. <laughs> so what we're going to do for our Christmas present, uh, Thelma and I are going to choose our own cabinet. Now, obviously, we're, we're not going to go into every single post. We're just going to do a few of the main posts. And uh, one of the interesting things that happened almost immediately was I got a message from Thelma. Once she said, yeah, great idea. And I said, OK, I'll send you a list of appointments that you've got to make. I got this message back from Thelma saying, can I appoint dead people? And I thought, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Some so would anyway, say we've got them already in Parliament. <laughs> yeah. So we've got quite a um quite a I don't know what Thelma's got on her list I know what I've, who I've got on mine I've got some people that I I respect and think can do a job and I and we will try and justify our appointments to a degree uh so anyway Thelma where should we start I think obviously I think we've got to start with the prime minister I'll let you go on that one to start with so unless okay. you want to say other stuff well, well, interestingly, we haven't shared, have we, Tom, <laughs> you know, who, we, who we've got in mind. No. Um, and I, I just want to preface, before I say about any of these, that I, I purposely wouldn't choose any anybody I know or anybody currently in Parliament because, you know, I'm about to offend somebody um, um, and... I don't want to do that. Um, and also, there's a little bit of a sadness, even though this is a bit of fun, Tom, but a bit of sadness for me because actually there's some people in Labour that are now on the back benches who, when they were on the front benches under Jeremy as leader, I actually thought they were excellent and I think they were growing and developing. Um, and I think in government, they would have been brilliant. And I'm not saying all of them, but I think there were a number and I think you can probably guess who I think would have been brilliant. Um, and so I'm a bit sad about that. But so I'm not going to mention anybody that's that's actually in Parliament, but there are people who um, are outside of Parliament where I think they've got the qualities and the leadership that, you know, I, I would want to see. Um, and so for Prime Minister, I've mentioned him already, I would cho choose Mick Lynch at the moment because I just think that he has such strength and such courage and he is so articulate and it's the way he can cut through the crap pardon my French I don't usually swear Tom but no, I'm <laughs> but he can, can't he? You know, and, and he's got that dry humour that I love. And whoever is doing the RMT social media as well has got that that same sense of humour, that kind of uh, polite put down, <laughs> as it were. Um, and I just love that, that, that you know, that, that kind of mockery of the system in a way and, and cutting through it. And it's what's so needed. Um, and, and I just think Mick Lynch would be intelligent enough, articulate enough, principled enough, hardworking enough to, to lead us. And um, so I'm choosing Mick Lynch. 
Yeah, Mick Lynch is on my list. Now, I'm not as restricted as you, Thumb, because I'm not involved in a political (laughs) thing like you are with PAL, and I totally understand why you're a bit restricted there. I'm going to say, really and truly, we all know, much we don't, but I think Jeremy Corbyn is the leader of the left in this country at the moment, Uh, and I, I don't actually even know if he would want the job anyway. And I don't even know if he would be the best at the job. But I did did just want to say I do take my heart to Jeremy. He is the leader of the left in this country. He's been working so many years and his principles, he's such a principled guy and he never wavers and he's always right on the money. Uh, I would totally be happy if he wanted that job, but I totally wouldn't blame him if he didn't. Uh, uh, Mick Lynch. I don't think he wants that job either. I mean, I'm not even sure he wants the job he's got sometimes when he listens to him. <laughs> Who could blame him, really? <laughs> <laughs> but he's absolutely brilliant, isn't he? And a couple yeah. of young, young, younger uh, people I've got on my list. I mean, you can talk about these people in sort of a way, Thelma, because it's me bringing them up. What, um, obviously, Zara Sultana is, is, is one for the future. She's brilliant. And, and she's right on and do, seems to get it all the time. I've, she doesn't often... I can't think of a time when she's, what do they say, misstepped. But um, but one guy that really impressed me on our podcast, we've had him on twice, and it, uh, interestingly, I, after I put him on my list, I did a little bit of research on him, and I didn't realise this. But Clive Lewis, right, I he really said stuff to me that, I, I've, that stuck with me about the left and how... He, his whole thing of how can we bring the left together and so on and so on. I really think he is a, a powerful guy. And when you listen to him talk, he doesn't mince his words, really, and he's, but he's very careful and, and measured. What I didn't realise about Clive Lewis was that he was a huge uh, fan of what Dharma pushed through at that conference about um, Remain, uh, which cost Labour all the, all of those seats and so he was in, very instrumental in that and but well, he was part of the um uh, love socialism hate brexit um campaign right right uh, uh he has admitted that was a mistake uh but and uh, the other thing i'll say just on that thelma and i think you cannot have this thing which twitter scott where you make one mistake and you're out you know, mm. you make a mistake, you learn from it, you keep mm. going. That's how life is. And I think to rule people out for one mistake. But I've got him on my list, but I'm going to go with the same as you, Thelma. I'm going to go with Mick Lynch because simply because, like you say, he doesn't take any crap. No. And we do know that um, any of those people that we've mentioned, um, they wouldn't be agreeing to tagging asylum seekers and refugees and they wouldn't be crossing picket lines um and you know people wouldn't be queuing at food banks and the nurses and workers across the country would be given fair uh, pay pay rises and have decent work conditions so we know that don't we with with all of those people that we've mentioned um, and I, I, I just wonder why on earth do people keep voting for <laughs> these appalling people that are, are you know, are damaging people's lives and 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 our country? Um, but yeah, so um, yeah. Okay, I'm, let's 
So let's move on to the Deputy Prime Minister. Um, really a, quite an interesting post. I'm not quite sure what it's about. It's a funny job to have, isn't it? Um, yeah, it is really. Um, I, yeah, I'm just looking at who I've had for that, really. Who have you got? Well, I'll go first on Deputy Prime Minister. I'm going to yeah. go with Alexi Sale. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because basically, he, in the same way as McLynch, really, he, he says what he thinks. Uh, I know he sometimes comes across as pretty... I mean, he's, he, let's say he doesn't mind using the odd swear word here and there, and he's but and he's quite powerful and he can be quite scary, I think. But mm. absolutely, his heart's in the right place, and politically, he's sound as a pound, and uh, yeah. and um, and his missus behind him. Back, well, I don't know if she's behind him, alongside him, she's on, she's on the money too. I think he would be a great deputy prime minister uh, if I'm go got to go with a politician, which I'm allowed to. I'm going to go for Richard Bergen, pretty much for the same reason. He says what he thinks. He's always there, banging away. I mean, not he doesn't, he's not mega powerful or anything, but he's consistent, and I think that's good. But anyway, Thelma, what do you think? Um, yeah, it's interesting because, well, first for um, yeah, deputy, I had Ash Sarka um, because yeah. I just think Ash is... Um, so brave, so articulate, so intelligent. And um, she's one that's got that sharp humour and, and does the kind of um, uh, mockery, <laughs> um, uh, but but in a kind of, uh, yeah, kind of semi-respectful but scornful way. Um, and I just think she's got the intellect and I think she's very brave as well. And I think she's brave enough to challenge and tackle some of the really difficult issues. Uh, so I've got Ash Sarka, but actually I've got Alexi as well um, as, as deputy. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, because I agree with everything you've said, I think. And the thing with Alexi is he's very consistent in his politics, isn't he? He's not like, you know, some within the uh, kind of celebrity, if you want to call it that, uh, culture where, you know, they flip-flop a bit depending on the national mood kind of thing. And um, he, he is always consistent, always witty and funny, but has the intellect and, and has the courage. And uh, yeah, so either for me, um, Ash Sarker or Alexei, I think, um, for that. Okay, yeah, well, that's good. Uh, looking good so far. So let's move on to the uh, Chancellor of the Exchequer. Uh, again, I'm in the fortunate position of being able to go with a politician um, who's all in the House. I'm going to, this is a, an odd one for me, because again, I don't know if he'd want the job, but uh, I think John McDonnell has got unfinished business there. I think he put together a tremendous couple of manifestos. I've met John a couple of times, I think, or once. I can't remember if we had him on twice or once. Uh, absolutely lovely bloke. Totally underestimated by a lot of people, I think. Um, that would be my view. But if you just look at those Labour manifestos, 2017, 2019, is clearly, is one of these, but I hope you don't, I hope you, if you listen to this, you won't mind me saying, there's more to John than meets the eye. He's a, he's a smart bloke. And uh, I think he'd be ideal in that position. Yeah, well, clearly I have said, I'm not going to mention, but you can imagine I agree with all of that. <laughs> um, but as I'm not going to deal with current politicians, I would choose a 
suppose he is a politician, but uh, academic as well, an economist, Yanis Varoufakis, who I just think, again, knows his stuff, massively intelligent, again, very strong, just would be the person that I think we need um, at this time. Um, uh, so I, he would be my, if if we weren't having John. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so one thing that happened to me when I was doing this was I realised that, you know, quite often you'd feel like some of these things would be better dealt with by a team than one yeah. person. Uh, yeah. you know, so some of these jobs I've got, I mean, for one of these jobs, I've got five people on my list. And, and you mm. just think, well, it's a bit silly having one person. You could, uh, Why can't you have little kind of teams to deal with each department rather than having one person that comes? I don't know what the situation is. Really. Well, there are junior ministers. So, um, you, you know, there, there would be, there, would, there is a small team within each department. But, I, I mean, for me, what always struck me, as probably, probably with my education background and, and all the rest of it, was how you can have a, a minister appointed that has absolutely no experience of their brief at all. And it's something in politics that that really struck me in a way that I know there are generic skills um, in, in terms of knowing what happens in the chamber, knowing what the procedures are for select committees and policy making and all of that and the legislation. But but the actual not having a, a knowledge and a handle, and I know there are civil servants and I know there are people there to advise, but um, getting across your brief, especially when recently we've had these people appointed to the government that have been one day they've been chancellor and the next they've been health secretary. <laughs> uh, I just, I just, if you're going to do the job really well, surely, surely you should appoint people who've got some background uh, and the skills and knowledge to make the right decisions. Um, and, it, and it always gets me with education, because obviously I would, you know, talk about education, that you can get these people that, that make decisions about, like during the pandemic, for instance, about no ifs, no buts, and get back into school, and I have no idea what it's like teaching a classroom full of 36, up to 40 sometimes children, uh, with hardly any ventilation in a room when there's COVID running rampant and saying, and maybe that teacher's got a vulnerable person at home or aging parents or, and, and it was that lack of understanding of how a school operates and what it's like. And I, I, I just find appointment of ministers seems to me that it goes the wrong way around, that it's just about who's the most ambitious uh, who's in the right place at the right time, who says the right things, but not people often, not always the case, but often people who just haven't a clue about their brief at all. And I, I find that really strange. Yeah, it's almost like they have to learn on the job, isn't it? And you just think, how are they picking this up? It's a, We've got a major crisis on our hands and we've just appointed someone that knows nothing about it. Um, yeah. OK, so um, let's move on to the Foreign Secretary. Do you want to go first, Thelma, on that? Yeah, Foreign Secretary, the per the person, well, I, I would have had somebody um, uh, on the front bench, but I, I, it's really hard for me not. <laughs> well, I might have that one. <laughs> 
yeah. But um, um, Kate Hudson, um, chair oh, yeah. of uh, we had her on the programme, if you remember, on the podcast. And um, Kate is just, oh, I don't know, just brave and articulate and uh, principled and the consistency is there. And, you know, talk about give peace a chance. I think, uh, you know, with the world the way it is at the moment, um, we need more Kate. <laughs> and um, and so I'd, I'd have Kate as uh, Foreign Secretary. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. I didn't have her down on my list, but yeah, it was an absolute joy having her on the pro, on the podcast and and she is absolutely on it. Um, I've got down um, Jeremy Corbyn for that one. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I would feel yeah. so much safer in my bed at night with uh, Jeremy Corbyn in charge of that. To oh, the me department. too. You would absolutely know that nothing terrifyingly bad was going to happen unless it absolutely there was no other way of getting around it. You know, he would be, go absolutely the extra mile to find a solution, a peaceful solution to every situation. Yeah. And um, I honestly think, just coming in on that, Tom, if I'm really honest um, about this, and I'm not doing very well, am I, at not talking about current politicians, but <laughs> I've, I've, I've got to say that if Keir Starmer had had any sense at all, any political nous, he would have, instead of taking the whip from Jeremy Corbyn, he would have appointed Jeremy as his Secretary of State, you know, Foreign Secretary um, or Shadow Foreign Secretary, because there's nobody, I've said this before, but there's nobody I know knows more <laughs> about international diplomacy and affairs and politics. And he's so well respected around the world. And he, you know, his knowledge and background with that would have been such an asset. But, you know, they they went, the route, they decided to go and, um, uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with you with that, Tom, yeah. Yeah, I mean, don't, we don't want to get too waylaid by the, that. But, you know, obviously they had the, 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 the Starmerites and the New Labour guys had this whole issue with... Uh, Palestine and so that made things doubly difficult like they would have had to it would have been so much better wouldn't it it would have pulled the yeah. Labour Party together uh, they, they could they would have been a real strong you know Th Starmer could have made a real good job of this if he'd have given a bit of yeah you, yeah it's hard to know whether it's who's pulling the strings there or whether it's Starmer just a bit slow out of the starting blocks you just can't tell no 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 <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Kate and Jeremy there, they, you know, one way or the other, deputy and real and the, yeah, actual, yeah. perfect. Um, okay, Home Secretary. Um, I'll go first on this one. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm a bit stuck in the past here, aren't I? I, can tell <laughs> that. Uh, I, I would, first of all, I would offer it to Diane Abbott, just because, um, yeah. uh, absolutely, she's... Uh, why not really um i and i know uh i again i wouldn't blame her if she said no, i think i'll pass on that but um such a, a lovely humble lady and um and you know having her as the shadow home secretary for those couple of years or however long she had that job uh was just fine nothing wrong with it at all it worked, worked fine she was not uh and this is really weird thing about home secretary film isn't there where they have to it seems like they have to be really nasty 
And I just think, can we try one that's not? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the Tories are in particular, but then, of course, we're in this situation where Labour are trying to win the votes and, you know, the red wall, as they call it, and and they're just trying to outdo the Tories in in some ways, aren't they? You know, and uh, yeah, I'd, yeah, I, I think it would be good to have a compassionate <laughs> Home Secretary um, and... Um, yeah, I, I, um, I, I had, um, in terms of people outside of politics, I had Maxine Peake <laughs> for Home Secretary because I think she's, I don't know if she's got that compassion uh, intellect. Um, and I, I just had, I thought Maxine would make a very good Home Secretary in my... I totally agree. I, I mean, there's so many talented people outside of pol- parliamentary politics. Yes. Of- who actually would be far better at the job than a lot of the people that are in parliamentary politics, really. I think it's almost like as soon as you get into parliamentary, I know you've been there, Thelma, so I better be a bit quite careful. <laughs> but it's very difficult to go into parliamentary politics and, and maintain your sanity almost, or, or not get to a degree get corrupted by what you have to do to stay in power or to increase your power. Um, it kind of takes mm-hmm. you over a little bit and sways the how you're thinking about life and mm. uh, it's far easier for people say in my situation where I know that's never ever ever going to happen so I can kind of say anything yeah well I think the important thing is that what I'm trying to do outside of Westminster is that I think the people in Westminster and I thought the same when I was there is it has to happen through Westminster but I I think as a movement and building a movement and activism and grassroots activism um, can do so much and I think that's what the you know the picket lines and the strike action and union uh, organization is about really and saying there is a world outside of Westminster and it's the way Westminster's run I've been mean, saying this on lots of different platforms and writing about it in the and I've already mentioned earlier about that constitutional change that's needed, electoral reform needed. But it's the whole thing about Westminster, which I've talked about before. It, you know, for me, it's an anachronism and it slows everything down. Um, the, you know, the processes and the protocols and uh, and these arcane traditions that really for ordinary people when you go into parliament are quite terrifying at first because you you don't know it you don't understand it if you if you're not steeped in it if your father or mother weren't weren't MPs and um you know you, your background isn't such it's very intimidate intimidating for ordinary people and I think they keep it like that you know to keep people in the place and I think we need to you know take the control out of Westminster, move government out of Westminster. It's so centralised, most centralised um, government in in Europe, um, in the Western world. And um, we need to change that. We need, it has to change. It really does. Um, when you mentioned Clive before, he's one of the few MPs that actually keeps talking about uh, proportional representation and electoral reform, you know, and uh, uh, but but Labour don't really want that because it 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 would it would threaten their existence and this two party power we've got in equilibrium. So, Thelma, now you're in difficulty because we we've, we've said Mick Lynch for Prime Minister. That leaves it. Uh, who are you going to have for Transport Minister then? 
Oh, I haven't. Oh gosh, I sorry, I haven't done all of them. I haven't, I haven't oh, okay. got any. Well, I'll go. I'll I'll do the transport minister. I'm going to have McLinch's deputy Eddie. Oh, <laughs> okay. I mean, I can swap one of my others because I've not, <laughs> I didn't keep to your list. I want to do education, Tom. Yeah. Well, I've got you down for that. Um, <laughs> oh, I would love that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we'll go with Eddie Dempsey for transport minister because he's pretty sound. He's what well, he's as he's as like McLinch's deputy, he but is. it might as well be McLinch. There's a strong team, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. And that, that applies to all the union leaders that are involved at the moment. They're all absolutely brilliant. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Is it Pat Cullum for the RCN? She's doing a really good job oh, at the moment, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's really, and the, really... the post office uh, guy is really good as well. Dave uh, Ward. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they are, aren't they? They're doing they're doing a cracking job. Um so yeah, yeah. And and Okay, all let's go down to education because it's something I'm really interested in too. Yeah. Um yeah. you go well, first then. Well, if it if it weren't me <laughs> Would you take the job, Thelma? <laughs> um when I was there and it, it, it kind of looked like, you know, after 2017 it could happen. Um, I was on the Education Select Committee and at the time I was just coping with all the, you know, I was John McDonald's PPS and uh, on the Select Committee and a, a marginal seat at home. And it was all it was all really busy and exciting. And at the time I thought, oh, you know, there's, there's absolutely no way. But then there were times when I did look at what what was happening in this prospect of a national education service, which I still believe in. Um, and now looking back, I think if I'd have stayed, if things hadn't panned out, I, I would have liked, even if it was just a junior role, um, I would definitely have liked to to have been able to to bring about that change. Um, and, you know, look at the it's not perfect, but I look at what Finland have done. Um, no selection at all, um, you know, and 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 such opportunities for professional development for te- no Ofsted, uh, no testing, and in the you know early uh, stages of education, um, funding for childcare, you know, just just the whole thing. Um, that so much could be done, but but for education, if it if it weren't me, <laughs> I got I got two people, and one is our lovely Melissa Ben. Um, uh, because Melissa, it's great talking about education with Melissa. She knows so much uh, to a great extent is, is very much, you know, on, on my page with, with that and fighting for fully comprehensive education, etc. cetera. Um, but also Michael Rosen um, knows, you know, so much about education and, um, and is so steeped in all of that. And um, so either, either of those two, I think, would make brilliant education ministers. Yeah, I agree. I, I would say uh, I've got you down as a, a possible if you wanted the job. I've got uh, a, um, some advisors that I would like. Um, one uh, person I've got down, not very, not very well known at all in, in, on national uh stage but there's uh, so this lady called naomi fisher who uh is really big in uh, the world of uh home ed which obviously i'm involved in and um she's just so clear about how it how education needs to be designed for each child and and having this kind of squeezing everybody through this same mold 
how utterly ridiculous it is and how how it's destroying so many kids and, mm. and how it's having such a, an effect on our nation really um i don't think she could be the education minister because obviously you know it's unrealistic to at the moment to have personalized education for every child uh, and some kids are perfectly okay in schools and and schools run nicely are actually nice places um, but I think it would be good for education if they kind of had that in mind that it should be more personalized. Uh, so Naomi Fisher is my one my advisor to whoever is the education. Mm. I, I mean, I completely agree with you with the child-centred learning and that individual uh, route. And I think that, you know, with this government, we, the policy on education is just so restrictive, so narrow, um, and um, it, it, it's not good. It's not good. Children are not going to flourish with this this present system when they're so controlled. And yeah, I agree with you, Tom. Okay, so uh, let me just look down my list here. I'm going to just talk about the role that I want now, Thelma. And, uh, oh, Tom, uh, yeah, I've got you down for one here, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> There's quite a lot still to do if we want to. Um, perhaps, perhaps I should leave mine until later. But I'll, I'll just go into it. I, I thought if it was possible, I'd quite like to take up the, uh, the housing minister. I've got strong views Ooh. on housing. Mm. Um, it, it was either that or the environment. And I think housing would be good because in a way that covers both. I just think that, uh, I, I know this is very extreme, but I just think if someone wants a house and a bit of land, they should be allowed to have it. And yeah. I know that's quite revolutionary and it involves no. No. land off which people, I think that needs to happen. And, yeah. um, and I think all this kind of planning laws and all those kind of things, they really need looking at a big style because there are so many young people who would be more than happy to build their own house on their own bit of land if they could, but they can't. Yeah. Well, that's okay then, Tom. I'm appointing you as housing minister. Really? Okay. When can I start? <laughs> 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 I had you. I had. I actually had you down for environment and food, um, but I yeah, also. I, I would. I would be equally happy in that. Would role. you happy with that? Okay. Um, well, when we have a reshuffle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, should we do culture and media? Oh, hang on! I just. Can oh I, yeah, sorry. You know, speaking about environment and food, I oh, yeah. have either yeah. George Monbiot oh, yeah. or or Chris Packham. Yeah, I've got Chris Packham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sorry, which one did you want to do next? No, no, you're good. Uh, environment and food. I've got Chris Packham. I've also, uh, how about this for something to talk about? I don't, I, I'm probably going to lose quite a lot of fans here. I, I like Ed Miliband. I, I know he's a, a centrist, but he's not really a centrist. I think he's, he's one of those, he's, he's not really, I don't think. I just think he's just keeping his mouth shut a bit because to keep his job, uh, because he probably thinks that's the best thing to do. I don't know, maybe I'm totally un overestimating the guy, but I think he's quite passionate. I like the way he works and uh, he's, he's quite powerful when he gets going. And if he was put in a powerful role, like environment, 
or somewhere like that where he feels really feels it i think he would get a lot done i know he's not like a left-wing socialist apparently but i think he is underneath it but anyway i'll just throw that in uh, i mean the thing i think um about ed Miliband is that i think he got um i think he got leader too young you know, when he wasn't ready and that election in 2015, yeah. I think he's grown in confidence with the different media things he's done and his podcast and different things like that. Uh, and I think he's changed. And um, I think he was unlucky uh, getting that position when I, he wasn't ready. That's that's just my view uh, on him. Uh, you know who I've got for DWP? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I've got yeah. I've got I've got Marcus Rashford. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I thought he's such a... I mean, I hope he goes into politics in the future because I just think he's he's got such compassion and empathy and um I, I mean you know you what you were saying about home secretary why do we always have to have these rock violence you know uh, he, he, you know and I, I feel the same with DWP that you know it's not being soft to work towards people ordinary people having a decent quality of life and making sure that the state provides for people um and i think somebody like marcus rashford what he did apart from doing his wonderful footballing but he he showed that compassion and he had that empathy from what he'd been through with his mum um when they had very little um to, to bring about a change for children um with free school meals and pushing the government for that and um i really admire him and i think he'd be really good in that and i do hope he goes into politics as he gets older yeah i, I think you're right and i think also the good thing about him is he's not at all scared of taking on powerful people he says it and yeah. and if they ever go at him he doesn't just go oh sorry he stands up and says it again um, yeah, powerfully, and uh, yeah, very, very effective. So yeah, yeah good, good appointment. Yeah. I've got health secretary. Yes, yeah, so I've got a couple down for that. Let's see what you. I got the first one I thought of because I, I thought she was so good during lockdown and pandemic was Dr. Christina Pagel. Uh, from UCL. I don't know if you remember, she um director of operational research at UCL. And she was on the television all the time giving updates. Um, but she was critical of the government. She was really brave. It wasn't like those that used to stand at the podium and show us slides and um it, well, I think mislead us sometimes personally, but I don't, you know, I I got to the point where I wasn't believing the figures we were seeing. But anyway, uh, but she was just so straightforward and so clear and so analytical um, and honest. Um, or certainly she came over to me as being very honest. And what it wasn't government speak, that's what I'm you know I'm saying. And um and I, I think she'd make a cracking house secretary. Yeah. I, I would have Joe Brand as her deputy. Oh yes, brilliant, uh, yeah. Uh, passionate, <laughs> passionate about nursing and uh and very clear about National Health Service. A couple of, uh, we'll just do culture and media, um, Thelma, and then yeah. perhaps there's, quite, there's a few names here that I would definitely want to include in my government, but I don't know quite where. But culture and media, um, I've got quite a few names on this list, but... Uh, go on, who would you have? Well, I think I'd probably go for Cathy Burke. 
<laughs> yeah. Because she doesn't <laughs> take prisoners. And she's actually a very serious uh, person. She could, she wouldn't do it. She can't be bothered. But, um, well, I say that. I shouldn't speak for her. But I kind of feel like she'd probably go, no, thanks, mate. Uh, other things. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I just like her. I think it's time we had a government that said what they think and stands by it. And I think that is what what she does. In, in the yeah. same way that Alexi does, in the same way as actually everybody that we've mentioned today, uh, you yeah. know, talking about the the last the health thing there and the lady there that stands up and, you know, says it. Uh, it's so important. It's what people want. And, and I think people are hungry for it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'd got Ken Loach um, for that. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he wouldn't want it, <laughs> his age and stage. Um, but certainly the the you know the amazing work he's done, um, uh, you know filmmaking, but also like kind of uh, social uh, commentary and um, addressing the key issues in our society and uh, you know deprivation, poverty, social policy. Um, and and how he has addressed that through through his art um, and filmmaking, and I just think he would be, and that he's not afraid to speak truth to power, and I think he would make a great a great politician. But uh, you know, as I say, at his age and stage, but this is our 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 dream front bench. Absolutely, isn't it? yeah. So, any other standard? Um, I had Attorney General. I had Nazir Afsal. Um, he was the former chief prosecutor. Um, now, is he chancellor or whatever at Manchester University? But he's very good um, in terms of equalities, um, just a, a social commentator, really. Um, I don't know if you follow him on Twitter, but he, he is, um, again, a very brave person um, at speaking that truth to power. And um, I really admire him. And I think he would be a great addition to any front bench. So I think I think that's all I've got, actually. I've um, got one or two other people I would like in the government. I'd like Stormzy in there. No, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Got Stormzy there. I think he was my separate one for DCMS, actually. My yeah. Other one. Um, I I had down for Attorney General Shami Chakrabarti. Ian Byrne. I think we've got to include him in the government, really. Yeah. Yeah, well, I did say I wouldn't comment on, but you can imagine who I would like. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, um, I've got down um, Michael Evis, who uh, runs Dastonbury Festival. Uh, yes, uh, yeah. Lovely guy, and um, he, he he will take the job now, but he probably would have 10 years ago. I've got down uh, Ash Sarka for us as, uh, somewhere. I've also got down um, Aaron Bastani somewhere. Now, I know people take against him at the drop of a hat, but he's a, a, a really clever guy, and uh, I think he'd be really good somewhere in the media, presenting stuff, and just just a talented guy. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I think that's a fair. I think, I think a lot of the the left platforms that you know have got good people who uh, you know who are presenting you know opportunity for those of us on the left to engage in discussion and to to listen about current thinking and policy. Um, so you know, I think they're doing good work, and I think the numbers are going up of people who are tuning into 
um, to listen to those discussions and to make contributions. So I think I think that's good. But yeah, I think I think the point we're making with with this is that that, that there are people outside of Westminster, and uh, and I know you can say, well, you know, they're they're elected, the MPs are elected by the public, and that's what democracy is about. But actually, going back to my earlier point of twenty eight percent turnout that isn't real democracy is it and with the voter id legislation going through at the moment that that's going to limit it even further the opportunities for ordinary people especially youngsters and vulnerable people to to actually vote again it's going to be more challenging for people to actually vote for who who they think is going to represent them and change society for the better so um i, I think we've got to look out of westminster i honestly i honestly do um to change things totally agree thelma i mean if you if you took that i know that was a, uh, a bit of fun but that yeah. little people there young people youngsters or or kids coming through now and starting to think look something needs to change here it's not going to be these old boys running the Labour Party. They're not going to go, oh, I think, think, uh, yeah, I'll get right behind um, whatever that health secretary guy's called, or or even not just old boys, the, the women in that new Labour front bench. I mean, they're, they're just not inspiring. And, and uh, the young people aren't going to go, oh, I think I'll get right behind Rachel Reeves. She seems to know what she's talking about. It's not going to be like that. That's not what's going to change things. That's just going to be more of the same, and the kids know that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I think some of these young activists that we're seeing, uh, you know, with the climate change um, agenda, I think we're going to see more and more young people who, um, I mean, they may not take direct action or whatever, but they will have their own thoughts about the future for their for people and planet because it's their future. And and you know when you've got these these kind of climate change deniers who are kind of very often old, older people where they won't be alive anyway when <laughs> when when the uh, the earth is is you know finally when we're all finally toast and I think these young people have a right to voice their objections to policies that are actually going to going to make the situation worse uh, and not address the key issues so they, they have a right to have a voice as far as I'm concerned. Yeah totally and when you listen to them speaking the, the spokespeople for these organisations are incredible. Yeah yeah they are they yeah. are and, and to be fair one or two have managed to get onto the mainstream uh, like Newsnight um, uh, you know in Channel 4 and and some of these youngsters are being interviewed and are able to have a voice so I hope we see more of that I'd have Greta Thunberg in my government actually if she could. yeah actually neither of us have mentioned her and we should shouldn't we we should have had her in yeah, we absolutely should got to be got to be up there at uh, person of the year or whatever if there is such a thing I don't really <laughs> like special prizes but you know sometimes you just no but we definitely should have had her on our list shouldn't we <laughs> yeah well that was good Sam. well I, I think that was a uh, quite an inspiring little uh, selection there and uh, uh it'd be interesting to see in a few years time if some of those people come through and well those, those uh, i wonder if our listeners might have been um, discussing our list and comparing it and making their own list. It'd be quite interesting if anybody wants to um, 
email us or message us and uh, tell us what they think if they disagree or agree and what their suggestion would be. It'd be quite good to hear from people. It would indeed, yeah, because it's interesting when you're doing something like that and you're really aware of all this talent. And there are people on my list that, that I haven't mentioned. And I, I just feel like they're, they're such good people and they should be, you know, they would have a role without doubt. Yeah. And then there's going to be huge amounts of people that we haven't even thought of that yeah. should have a role. And the, <laughs> the, the left is full of talent. Yeah. Oh, it is absolutely full of talent. I think I think that people have been put off politics, though, haven't they? You know, because of the way it, it has been over this last few years. And you can see the number of politicians that are stepping down frequently at the moment. Um, you can you can see it's all all become a bit toxic and uh, it it has it has to change. It really does have to change. And it's linked to what you were saying about the media as well, Tom. I think it's the whole the whole package but but we have hope in these youngsters that are, are out there and uh, are brave enough to to challenge i think so yeah yeah good absolutely, thing absolutely so anyway there you are thank you so much to all our listeners for sticking with us and uh hope you enjoyed uh listening to our christmas special and um we certainly enjoyed putting it together uh sometimes i do wonder whether we're doing this podcast more for ourselves than anyone else but uh, <laughs> hopefully you'll all enjoy listening and, uh, thank you thelma and happy christmas and happy new year to you yeah yeah thanks tom and happy christmas to you and i'll see you see you in the new year and i'll leave you with the words of antonio gramsci um he said educate yourselves because we'll need all your intelligence Stir yourselves because we'll need all your enthusiasm and organise yourselves because we'll need all your strength. Solidarity.